Welcome to the Two Grumpy Bastards Podcast, where feelings aren't felt and snowflakes melt. Buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. And we are live. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, to all three of our podcasters, we managed to triple the number of podcasters this week, or uh, excuse me, listeners to the podcast this week. Um, kidding. But uh, thank you for your patience. We're a couple of days late in getting this out, but uh, you know, life happens. We're going to start. Um, we're going to start with this week in review, talk about a couple things. There's so much going on that it's hard to even, you know, Russ, even kind of figure out what to talk about. Um, this administration, what's going on in America right now with COVID and shootings and everything else going on in the news. I, I, I had a hard time keeping it down to less than 20 topics, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know I know there's uh, you wanted to you wanted to talk about the uh, COVID passport issue a little bit. Yeah, this is this is a disturbing thing. And, and I've been warning people that this was coming for about the last year. Um, look, everybody knows I'm I'm very pro vaccine. OK, I believe in vaccines as because I can look throughout history. I can see what you know, Mother Nature's been trying to kill us since we left the ocean, you know, since we crawled out of the ocean, uh, that we can finally get in front of that misogynistic bitch is is a good thing. You know, we, the fact that we don't have truckloads of children dying from now preventable diseases is a good thing. But like most things, we tend to take this shit too far. Um, you got the administration now talking about issuing vaccine passports. I guess you can carry around with yourself and, and let people know that, yes, I am vaccinated. I mean, first of all, that's not a HIPAA violation at all for somebody to ask, Hey, show me your, show me your medical records that you've been recently vaccinated. Right. Yeah, we have to show uh, vaccination records when we go to school for the first time, but then that goes in a record and that's done. You don't have to show it every time you enter the door. Um, and th- this is they're talking about internal into the nation, internal to the nation vaccine passports, which is very reminiscent of, you know, show me your papers in either Nazi Germany or the Soviet Union. I don't know what scares me more. I don't know if it scares me more that our leaders don't see this shit coming or that they do see this shit coming. You know, are they just oblivious or are they actually pushing us down this road? Because uh, what, what this is going to lead to, you know, folks are going to folks are going to just stop listening to the federal government about this stuff, which I don't even know how the feds have this authority anyway. Um, right. And a whole bunch of private businesses that are talking about doing this, the private business can set what conditions they want. But this is starting to get, you know, into some dangerous territory of, of what's required. Like I said, I, I think that most people, most people who don't vaccinate are stupid. Um, at the same time, what are you going to do? Strap them to a table and, and force something into their arm. That is, I can think of almost nothing that's going to blow this thing up even worse than the route that we're already going down is requiring people to show you their papers, you know, show you some kind of passport, which they claim, oh, yeah, that's all we're going to do for is just show us this passport. We'll never use that for anything more. Yeah, that's bullshit. Um, it, it only takes, you know, some opportunistic asshole out there to figure out more of what to use that for. We're going to be on some kind of social credit system like the Soviet Union or like communist China. This is 
I've been watching for you know years. The spiral were going down. You know, Ronald Reagan put it right. If if freedom fails in the United States, there's nowhere else to run to. And this is a big step down that road. I, I, I will not comply with a, vac- with a vaccine passport. I'm going to get vaccinated, but I will not comply with carrying around a fucking passport. I hear you. I hear you. Um, you know, funny you brought up Reagan because one of his quotes popped into my head uh, today, too, when I was when I was uh, coming to do the podcast here. Um, I believe uh, I think I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but if fascism ever comes to America, it will come from the left. Oh, yeah. And and he was kind of famous for saying that it might have been it might come from liberalism. That probably is the word he used back then. But um, I, t- I prefer the word left now to liberalism because liberalism doesn't mean that anymore. You know, I. When, when you were talking about that, what popped into my head was when I was a kid watching that uh, that classic sci-fi movie, Logan's Run. And, okay. Uh, do, you, do you remember that movie at all? I've, I'm I know you're a little younger than I am. Probably 1976, but it was a pretty badass movie. And the, the whole point is uh, people basically had to volunteer to get put to death when they were like 30 years old and they had a gem in their their hand that would turn a color when they turned 30 and they had to report to basically this death chamber. And two of the people said, I'm, I'm only 28. So they go and he, and the one main character, Logan is a Sandman, which is one of the people that hunts down people that run. And he ends up going on the run. I, that sounds ridiculous, but we are a thousand million steps closer to that now than we were just a few years ago, that type of totalitarian bullshit when it comes to, um, I, I, I was listening to a podcast today and not that I want to go down this road too much, but these are people basically saying, okay, it's not my responsibility to protect myself. It's your responsibility to protect me yet. These, these, so I have to protect life. I can't not wear a mask because I might be risking somebody's life yet again. I'll just say it one more time. These are people that are also fans of my body, my choice. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, the, a, a couple of points there that, you know, you, you talk about how it suddenly become everybody else's responsibility to look after yourself. Hey, it, it's not my job to adjust to you. If you want to go out into society, you know, society is not supposed to adjust to you. You're supposed to adjust to society. I mean, I, I've I've dealt with that in my own personal life. There's things that I have not been able to do or wanted to do differently. I have adjusted. Um, the the other thing uh, regarding you know the the steps towards. Uh, totalitarianism that you were talking about. And you, you mentioned the Reagan quote about liberalism. I, I make a distinction between uh, liberals and leftists because I can have conversations with classical liberals and a lot of them are starting to figure out, hey, wait a minute, some of this stuff is going you know, down the road of a cult. Right. Uh, and, and one of the things that's concerned me about all these extra authoritarian measures is how easily and readily so many people have accepted them. And they just kind of become part of life and nobody, nobody really bucks up against the system anymore. And even those who buck up against the system, it's okay. I'm going to share a post on social media. Well, goody, goody gumdrops for you. That did a whole fucking lot. Um, <laughs> you're, you're a hero. You're a hero. Yeah. I mean, people are not willing to actually take action. Uh, you know, don't not to wear the mask, uh, not to, you know, saying that, you know, Oh yeah, well, I guess I'll show that that uh, COVID passport to get into my favorite restaurant. Look, they can't club all of us if we all decide not to do it. Um, The problem is that people are afraid of getting shouted down. They're afraid of getting told that they don't care and being scolded by the Karens and the Raouls of the world. That's just a new term I've come up with. I prefer Um, Mitch. Okay. How about Hoyt? 
Um, Brent. But, yeah, Brent. Uh, Brett. Um, but names we hate by real men. <laughs> I really hope um, we don't have any, uh, given the fact that given the fact of who I was named after. Um, oh, hey, just ra- random rust thought, random uh, stray electron here. Uh, on my blog the other day, I I posted why I go by the name R.D. Meyer with my books as opposed to Russ Meyer uh, uh-huh. regarding the, the famous softcore uh, porn producer that, that shares my name. Um, and I had also mentioned about some books I had gone back and reread. Somebody commented on the post. And I don't know whether I should dash my hopes and believe it was some random troll or if one of my favorite authors of all time actually commented on my post um, um, when it started. started what are we doing here? Why are you sure? Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, um, now I'm getting now the, I'm echo, the again. echo again. Oh, okay. Hold on. That's yes, folks. Be. The perils of live radio. <laughs> it is the perils of live radio. It's the perils of two guys who aren't really that technically competent on podcasts yet either. Oh, you're wild. You're loads more than I am. <laughs> the funny thing is I just called it radio, even though we're podcasting. My wife gives me shit because I say we're taping something on TV when we're recording something on the DVR. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all down with a hip new lingo. Um, but no, going back to my other stray electron, um, th- this person commented that they, they had once, uh, were an acquaintance of one of the, the Russ Meyer softcore porn actresses. And then said he was flattered that I reread his trilogy. And the only trilogy I had mentioned rereading was belonged to Alan Dean Foster. And I'm like, is this somebody punking me here? Cause you know, <laughs> I, I want to believe it, but I don't. You know how that goes. I kind of hope it's somebody punking you instead of yeah. I yeah, suppose they're Alan Dean Foster walking around, you know, going commenting on random blogs. Right. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I just I have a I have a new drop for you when you start going on these uh, Eddie currents. Here you go. You might remember this one. Oh. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> <laughs> I have a blog post that's got that name, and it's talk about the same thing. You may see that a few times throughout these interactions. Um, yeah, well, we got we to drop the paint over ants thing for the, the lazy stuff that happens in society. That's that's very true. I, I will do a better job of that. I just got to ask you, what is the name of this fat fuck that's piloting the X-Wing here? I You know, I'm not as big as Star Wars. Stay I think, on target. Oh, I think that's, on target. that's Porkins. Oh, is, yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, we got way off topic there. Um, oh yeah. Now what, was, what were we talking about? COVID nineteen and totalitarianism. I don't know. We may have gotten towards the end of that segment anyway. But yeah, uh, we probably did. Basically, I'm not carrying around a passport. I, next thing you know, they're gonna you know stamp something on your forehead or on your uh, on your hand that you can't buy or sell without having it. Absolutely. Um, we'll shift gears a little bit, but it's kind of in the same vein of totalitarianism. I I uh, I. Had a really hard time picking between a lot of topics this week, but uh, I got to talk a little bit about about uh, the Second Amendment, gun violence, the mass shootings. It's a big deal, especially, you know, people like you and me understand uh, violence. You know, people that uh, some of my heroes that I work with understand it a lot more than I do. Um, the bait and switch that I'm seeing, again, the complete disingenuous bait and switch I'm seeing from the left on everything, the disingenuousness. Look, you know, I know the right can get a little platitudinous, a little bit um, self-righteous sometimes, self-righteous. And that turns me off. But just the sheer 
fucking hypocrisy of um, of people saying they support Black Lives Matter, for instance. Or, um, you know, if you support Black Lives Matter, you're more concerned. Um, let's see. Let me let me let me let me. Um, let me let me take there's a there's about 100 million guns that we know of in the United States of America currently about 100 million okay at least uh, at least the average of um of the uh what they call mass shooters has averaged around 20 people a year that have suffered from a mass shooting event that have died in in a mass shooting yeah. event that's out of 100 million guns um the number of homicides in Chicago exceeds that in a month. Oh yeah. Most of that is with handguns and most of that is black on black crime. So you, you know where I'm going with this and it's it, you gotta be careful. I realize it's a slippery slope to not sound racist, but why I, when I hear people say black lives matter, well, <laughs> things like that many homicides tied to the black community should matter. We should be talking about that. Not that mass shootings are cool. Not that I'm okay with it, but here's another thing that people don't, don't talk about with mass shootings. Do you remember a mass shooting that happened last week where 10 people died and they weren't Asian massage therapists? Do you remember that? Did the, did yeah. the media really cover that very much? Cause I can tell you, I never heard it on the mainstream media, hardly any coverage on it. Well, they Those covered it for the first 24 hours. Yeah, those are 10 white people that died, and it was a person of color that did the shooting. It goes against their agenda. To talk about that undermines the agenda, which it comes from a false premise, as I'm fond of saying. And when you start an argument from a false premise, all your conclusions are therefore false. That's simple logic 101. It didn't mean that I had to go to Jesuit school to learn that, even though I did. Um, I am just really sick of this argument. Zero correlation between the number of guns and the number of homicides. Matter of fact, I can tell you that gun ownership has exploded the last few years. And um, in the last, let's see, 20 years, I wanna make sure I get this down. Homicides by gun of any type and violence by gun is down around 50% overall. It's down around 50%, even though we've had an explosion in gun ownership. Um, so to take executive action on guns and gun violence because of mass shooters or the erroneous idea that all mass shooters are white, believe it or not. And, and I don't think this is what fucking matters. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to say it because, because I get so mad at the misinformation, the ethnicity of, of mass shooters almost exactly matches the ethnicity percentages of the United States by population. Yeah, um, that's never talked about. And the definition of mass shooter is something that is at argument. If there's a, say, a, a gang shooting in Chicago where three people die, they don't call that a mass shooting. Yeah, the definition I've seen has been mass shootings are four or more people, because if they had to go to three, it would it would change the narrative. You're right. Look, mass shootings are horrible. They do tend to match up to the demographic makeup of the United States. Sure. Um, the reason they get so much the mass shootings get so much attention is because they're such, uh, so such they're not unique, but they're they're such special events. I don't mean special in a good way, but they're just, they're just not no, something you. that is that happens a lot, and they involve large numbers of people, and it's dramatic, and so it draws a lot of attention sure. uh, from the media because it's that big of an event. But you know, you go in, you go into Chicago or L.A. or New York or Miami or wherever, and you get a twelve-year-old girl, you know, shot by you know the teenagers down the street it doesn't it doesn't make the same kind of impact that might show up in a local story on the news but it's not gonna make the national news uh and then 
Yeah, but people want to play up the mass shooting thing. First of all, if you look at per capita, the United States is actually around 12th or 13th in the world in mass shootings. Yeah, 12th Norway, last time that I saw, 12th, 12th, yes. Yeah, Norway's got a larger per capita in mass shootings. Switzerland's got a larger per capita in mass shootings. Now, granted, these these places don't have a lot of people. So right. when when there is a mass shooting, yes, it, it kind of does skew the numbers a little bit. But sure. uh, folks want to point to certain gun bans. They want to say, well, look, in Australia, they haven't had a mass shooting since uh, since they banned all these guns. Well, first of all, only a third of the gun owners in Australia actually turned their stuff in. And second, Australia didn't have a lot of mass shootings before the last mass shooting. So it's right. not like they were continuing some kind of trend. Right. It's a, if it, and, and, you know, the, the thing with uh, you bring up a really good point about how vapid, you know, and, and insidious the mass shootings are and, and the emotional appeal of that. I, I don't disagree with that. But I guess, unfortunately, or or however you want to state it, our culture and our society is frankly used to violence. I mean, we were begat in violence and this was uh, a country full of frontiersmen and and war and we were always doing something and somewhat and you know the the gun has been a part of our culture forever if you look at it from that context the number of mass shootings or or really gun violence going down by as much as it has it's pretty remarkable it's actually fairly remarkable you know well and that, that's the thing is given I think one of the reasons why mass shootings get so much more attention now is because you've got the 24 7 news cycle you've got social media you can get this stuff out there this stuff still happened you know, in the early 90s, in the 80s, but it didn't get the play that it does today because there wasn't the immediacy of, you know, pointing out what's going on. Um, right. You also got to look at, you talk about gun cultures uh, in the United States. There's a couple of points on that. First of all, you know, it's no, it, it's no accident that uh, during World War II, the U.S. Army started going to man-type silhouettes for target practice as right. opposed to the circular targets because right. they need to get people, the average person is actually not, comfortable with shooting somebody else right so you do gotta you do gotta kind of break that barrier which is why look I, i'm not blaming video games for violence but it, it does desensitize folks like i said when when you're going around you know killing the pimp on the street because he shorted your hooker two bucks in grand theft auto or whatever uh you know it, it does desensitize you a little bit and it, it makes it more likely that you are not going to hesitate when that moment comes sure. um plus People, so many people don't get the purpose behind the Second Amendment. It wasn't to give it to allow us to hunt. It wasn't to allow us sporting. It, it, no. it was it was to allow us to defend ourselves against a despotic government that left us no other alternative. And I get that that's that's not something that a lot of people like to hear. Um, I am not positive about this. I think it's Federalist 29 and Federalist 42 that talk about this, but I could be wrong on those Federalist papers. Um, but you look at any genocide throughout history, it has been preceded by the mass confiscation of weapons. Shit, our own American Revolution started when the British tried to confiscate our weapons. Absolutely. You know, we, we can talk about high-minded ideals all we like, but the British tried to come in and take our guns, so we shot at them. The, Bre- the Battle of Lexington and Concord, anybody can look it up to see what that was all about. See, you yeah. see exactly what the British, uh, what they were trying to accomplish in the very first fatal engagement of the Revolutionary War. Well, and, and then you you also look at uh, when po- folks say, you know, we need to ban assault weapons. I actually asked somebody this week, so define an assault weapon. Tell me what an assault weapon is. He said, I believe it has to do with the velocity of the round leaving the, the barrel. And I'm like, <laughs> so you believe it's this? You don't know? Is there a legal definition you could point to? Well, it has to do with the caliber of the round. I'm like, no, it really doesn't. You're you're making shit up now. Um, it, it's it's there is no 
you know, specific definition of assault weapon. It's whatever weapon we want to put into that category. Right. People look at like, for example, an AR-15. First of all, if you ever want to find out if somebody's a, an idiot, ask them what the AR in AR-15 stands for. Because I've heard a lot of people say it stands for assault rifle, which right. that shows that they're a moron. They don't know what they're talking about. It's an Armalite rifle. Right. Um, that's the AR for AR-15. Um, and basically it's, it's long, it's painted black, it looks scary, but I can show you other weapons that look like they're made out of wood that don't look quite as scary, but have the exact same rate of fire, the exact same caliber of bullet, the exact same muzzle velocity, um, but they don't look like a machine gun. An AR-15 is not a machine gun. We've, we've banned fully automatic fire, uh, fully automatic uh, weapons from being purchased in this country since I believe 1933, I think is what it was. I know sometime in the 1930s. And you couldn't even own an, an antique one without a license since 1986. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with that. And that was a response to the gangland wars and all the 45 Thompson machine gun, the Tommy gun, they used to call it, and how many slangs there were um, of law enforcement. Um, that was the response to that directly. Actually. Yeah. Um, and they, they tried to change it some with the uh, the bump, the bump stock ban a couple of years ago, which, by the way, just got struck down by a federal judge this past week. Yep. Um, saying that you can't do that by uh, by executive order. Um, when when Biden is talking about you know wanting to ban certain weapons by executive order, they actually backed a case at the Supreme Court recently that uh, uh, shield for warrantless searches of homes with guns. Um, it's it was based on another crime possibly being committed based on a complaint, but there was no immediacy of need. There was nothing to indicate the person was a danger to themselves or others at that time. And they're, they're in here shilling in front of the Supreme Court to back warrantless searches. You want to see something go up in flames? You know, send, send police officers into homes without warrants searching for guns. The, the country will be set on fire. Um, right. My dad and I had this discussion once. We brought up, there are, and I'm putting this at a conservative estimate, of 80 million gun owners in the United States. Um, some estimates put upwards around 130 to 140 million, but let's be conservative and say there are 80 million gun owners in the United States. And you pass a law saying everybody's got to turn their weapons in. Right. Um, and 90% of people who own guns turn their weapons in. And then through threats, intimidation, uh, other kinds of scare tactics, you can get another 90% to turn their weapons in. Even with that, you are looking at 800,000 people on a conservative side that have that are heavily armed and willing to fight to the death to keep their arms. That is the definition of a civil war. And that's assuming that, you know, police and military uh, all go along with this shit. You know what the mass desertion rate would be like in this? They would the country would be on fire and it would be on fire fast. The only what I think the first step would be, though, is if something like that happens, much like a lot of these uh, liberal states did with the immigration laws. I think a lot of uh, red states would simply you know, create sanctuary states for guns and uh, ignore the federal government. Then the next step would be, what is the federal government going to do in response? Is the federal government going to come down like a hammer or are they going to you know, react like they did with the immigration thing and not really do much? Yeah, yeah. You know, one one final one final data point, although I realize that facts and data in this day and age are so bourgeois. I realize that um, I should be using my feelings and that I am preaching to the choir here. Absolutely. A one to one correlation on gun violence and the strictness of gun laws in those area with high gun violence. Yep. Look, no further. Don Lott has done a study on that. 
Washington, D.C., some of these areas where you have more liberal gun laws, there is far less gun violence. And everybody, I, I matter of fact, I heard some somebody on the left make fun of Texas today. You know, the bunch of bullies in Texas, very, very low rate of gun violence in the state of Texas. Yet they have some of the most relaxed laws in the entire world on carry and concealed carry and all that stuff in that state. So, and I'm not cherry picking. I'm not cherry picking, ladies and gentlemen, unlike a lot of people like to do or use confirmation bias. This is across the board. This is a correlational point that you can prove statistically across the board. Yeah. Well, you know, an armed society is a polite society. Uh, Plus uh, going back to the second amendment for a for a minute, uh, lots of things people miss in the Second Amendment. First of all, I don't know what is open to interpretation about the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not, not may not, not, shall not be infringed. There's not um, much interpretation but, there. Yeah, and then folks will say, well, it was meant for a collective right for militias. Well, you miss a couple of things. First of all, out of all of the amendments, of the, out of the first 10 minutes for the Bill of Rights, with the exception of uh, with the exception of Amendment Number 10, which is specifically about states' rights, are you going to tell me the Amendment one and then three through nine are all about individual rights, but number two is about group rights. I don't think that's exactly what the founding fathers meant. Thank you. And then a lot of a lot of people will see the word militia and think military. That's not what the militia is. The militia is if you look in the definition, the armed the armed populace of a nation. Back in the Revolutionary War, the War of eighteen twelve, heck, even in the Civil War, they didn't necessarily have enough soldiers for everything, so they augmented with militia. What that meant was. You know, there's a battle getting ready to go on. You go down the street to Farmer Bob. Farmer Bob grabs his rifle off the mantelpiece, fires two or three shots for God and country, and goes home. Right. He, he, he he's not doesn't have a strict term of service. It does not. The militia is not the National Guard. The National Guard is part of the military. But military looking like militia does not make them the same thing. And Thomas Jefferson and others were very clear about, you know, when you have an armed populace, you are going to have a government that is going to be afraid to overreach because they they don't want to set something off. I mean, how many of the atrocities throughout history could have been avoided with an armed populace? I, I don't want to necessarily go through with it all because they're they're tragic, and I'm not trying to to victim blame in in any of them. But at the same time, you know, governments are not going to come in when there's a risk of their soldiers getting you know shot, as as Yamamoto once said about invading the United States. You couldn't do it because there'd be a rifle behind every blade of grass. Right. So. The I want a government that is afraid of its citizens. That's how you end up with freedom. You end up with tyranny when you have the citizens afraid of the government. Right. And you you that one last thought from my end on that is um, you said it exactly what I was thinking. The Bill of Rights is exactly that. People forget, and this is not a libertarian ideal. People forget that this country, this government was formed. Um, the job of the government in this country is to protect the rights of the citizens the life, welfare, and rights of its citizens not to take those away. That is what this government was created to do. And reading the Constitution, it's pretty fucking clear. And there's a reason it's called the Bill of Rights, not the Bill of Government. Yeah, so. well, the, the other thing people don't understand, a lot of, I remember having this argument with a person who was you know, supposed to be a conservative in high school. We were, we were supposed to argue, you know, what's the basis of our rights? Um, does government give us our rights? Um, and I was still trying to form how I understood that that was, you know, bullshit at the time. And now I understand it even better is our rights don't come from government. You know, right. if governments did not exist, our rights would exist regardless. 
Government can only infringe on those rights. Governments are, in, are implemented to protect our rights. Our rights come from God or natural law or whatever you want to say. But since sure. the vast majority of them, with the exception of trial by jury and right to counsel, are passive rights versus active rights, those rights exist in the absence of infringement by somebody else. They're not yes. just handed to you by the government. The government is there to protect them. You have those rights whether the government says they do or not. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a really crucial point that people don't understand about the Constitution and laws in general. I, I hear this all the time. Well, I don't that's not in writing. Why, why would you have that right? There's no law that gives you that right. That's exactly the opposite way you're supposed to be thinking. Yep. Laws of bridge rights. That's what laws normally do, just as you said. Laws actually, you know, social contract theory and all that, that laws are supposed to be there. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a basically like a compromise that the individual gives up to create safety among the masses. You know, it's, it's um, so it, almost every law takes away rights or at least takes away action or decisions among the population. So people yeah. don't look at that the right way. And I just get so sick of that backwards thinking. Jesus well, fucking Christ. Sorry. Thank God that thank God that the founding fathers, in a way, did not listen to the anti-federalists and Thomas Jefferson. Um, and what I mean by that is, they had the foresight to write down the Bill of Rights. Now, folks like uh, Jefferson and the anti-federalists were concerned that if you wrote down the Bill of Rights, then folks would interpret that as those our rights are limited to what is written down. The problem is, as human nature shows us, if we hadn't written those rights down, I guarantee you they. They'd have been abridged by now. They'd have long since been abridged because sure. people say, well, it's not in writing. OK, so we had to put free speech, the right to bear arms, the right to uh, be right. secure in our persons and papers in writing so that people wouldn't try and uh, trump that. I guarantee you in today's you know, uber woke culture of hurt feelings, you know, there would be hate speech laws all over the place. They would have taken guns 50 to 70 years ago. Right. Um, we would be living in just another country versus versus the great experiment known as the United States. And, you know, even that is starting to fail because people don't understand the basis and the foundation of those rights and of that government. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I probably would have been thrown in jail in that regard for what I said about pointing out the demographics of gun violence. I probably would have been thrown in jail for that. That, that would have probably broke some woke law. Um. <laughs> well, they, they'd come in to, they'd come in to seize your computer and find out what was on it without a warrant. To, so yeah. they can they can justify it. I believe it was. Uh, oh, I cannot remember the, the name of the person who said this, but um, there's a saying of uh, show me the man and I'll find you the law that he broke. Um, there, there used to be a game in the New York. I believe it was the New York uh, District Attorney's Office. And this, they just did it for fun. They would find famous figures throughout history and they would find crimes they could pin on them just as a, a gag. I mean, obviously, they're not going to charge them, but they. Yeah. You know, hey, yeah, I understand. Mother yeah, I Teresa. Right. Yeah, here's Mother Teresa. Let's figure out what, what law she broke. Here's Gandhi. Right. Let's figure out what law he broke. Um, well, he actually did break some laws, to be honest with you. But yeah, but you know what, but what I'm saying is they, they did find they did find specific Fucking Gandhi. Yeah, they, they did. They did. Gandhi find Khan. Basically, they pinned uh, law breaking against certain people just because the point of the exercise is to show that a government that's powerful enough can find a reason that you broke the law. As right. opposed to you having to prove your innocence. I mean, I'm sorry, as opposed to them having to prove your guilt uh, on anything. If they're that powerful, they'll find a way to throw you in jail. And that's what governments have done throughout history, which is what is supposed to make America different. Right. I mean, you know, I, there's so many figures in history you can point to. Sakharov in the Soviet Union, uh, of course, Nelson Mandela 
being in prison for so many years. Did they really commit crimes? Well, according to the government, they did. You know, they were able to find ways to put those guys in prison or send Sakharov to a to a prison camp in the, in Siberia. Um, so, of course, no, no, no. I, your point is really well made. Yeah. Well, and just just another quick aside, aside on that, just on, you know, not let necessarily listening to, well, the government said it, so it must be right. I remember when I was in Iraq, um, in Baghdad, um, as we're as we're taking over some stuff, uh, we got to look at some of the textbooks that the Iraqis used in their uh, in their schools. And the anti-Semitism in these textbooks was horrific. I mean, they had whole chapters on uh, why Jews were bad. I remember there's a picture of a of a guy with of basically a vampire with fangs and a star of David on his forehead, you know, trying sure. to depict uh, all Jews as as some kind of bloodsucker, which is just anti-Semitic, you know, horror. And we would ask, I remember, you know, you get American soldiers out there, young kids, they're going to talk to people in the streets. We used to draw crowds and we would ask questions like, Hey, we're looking at this stuff. Why, you know, why do you guys, for example, why do you hate the Jews? Well, the government tells us to, well, what have they done to you? Have you thought about it? No, the government tells us to, they would not tell us to without a good reason. Therefore we hate the Jews. And you're like, and, and that level of independent thought just doesn't exist. And a lot of people who have never visited a country outside of a tourist area don't understand the lack of independent thought in so much of the rest of the world. They'll just go along with the government because they say that. I mean, government used to control information. Look at communist China. And people will, a lot of people will just buy it hook, line, and sinker because they're not exposed to anything else and they're conditioned to simply listen to it. Yep. Absolutely. Uh Great discussion. I know we went a lot longer on that, but I think it's important. I think in this day and age, it's important to have have this have this conversation. Um, Because if we if we don't, people people will assume that, you know, it goes back to when I said that I I said something in the Pizza Hut to that woman that was trying to berate uh, the manager for too many people being in there during covid protocols. Mm -hmm. If we don't speak up and say something. You know, for every person that speaks up, there's nine or ten that agree. But if we don't speak up, then no one's going to have the courage to do it. So you have exactly to actually right. speak up. You're exactly right. I, I have I have played a, a I don't know I played a uh, fence walking game myself since this stuff has been going on because I get so damn angry, and uh, it, I realize that it's really affecting my life how angry I get. And it's one of the reasons I have to stay off of social media and I don't go anywhere near Twitter uh, unless it's to it's look a up sewer. a uh, yeah it's a sewer and, and just. I realized I, you know, I was feeling bad because I felt, I'll be honest with you. I was felt like I was being a pussy, but excuse me. I don't have a cough button. Um, But, you know, I have a small business that I'm running and there's a lot of other things, but things like this podcast give me an outlet to actually, you know, and the more I talk about these things, the more I realize guys, you know, folks like you and I and people that we've associated with some of these smart people that we know, at least we've walked all the way around a problem. I'm not right about everything. I'm not. And I have changed my mind thousands of times in my adult life about things. You know, I, I'm, I'm very much in the dialectic. I, I love the dialectic. You know, sometime, somewhere between pragmatic mind and emotional mind is the wise mind. And that's that's where I try to be. I fail all the time, of course. But um, that's that's the place I try to be. But you're right. There are so many polite people. And you've brought it up. Is like because we just want to live our lives. We don't care about looking good or look at me, look at me. You know, I wasn't somebody who needed to get back at bullies or anything like that. Now I have a social media platform to do it. Um, But the more reasonable people that speak, the more people are going to realize what's going on in this country, this woke 
fad, and that's all it is, is a fad, is a farce. It's a farce, and these are not the majority of thinking people. Well, the, you bring up, I want to touch on two points based on what you just said. Now, people who know me know that unlike you, I am very active on social media. Yes. I am very active in speaking up and stuff. And, I, and that's for two reasons. Number one, the, the woke crowd, those who are trying to impose their, their will on society, they rely on the apathy of those who just want to be left alone to do it. Yes. And engaging with them is exhausting. Believe me, I get it. It's exhausting. You don't want to have to do it. You got better things to do with your time. But if you just let it go, um, then you're going to wake up in a, in a world that you don't recognize. Um, the other thing, and I, I made this point on, uh, on social media recently when somebody that I went to high school with, very smart woman, PhD in, uh, in I think it's chemistry or biological sciences. She works for, she's a scientist for some big pharmaceutical company. Um, and, you know, she gets as frustrated as I do with some of the misinformation out there. But she's like, look, I don't know how you, how you engage with these people. You know, it's just... It's just too exhausting. Sometimes I said, yeah, I engage with the stupid people because if I don't, stupid wins by default. And I refuse to let stupid rule the world because stupid people ruling the world is one of the reasons why the world is so fucked up. It has been fucked up throughout history. You have to engage stupidity where you find it. Otherwise, people will assume the stupid rules the roost. And again, I, I am. That is how we have gone down the road of so much, you know, so much nightmarish nonsense throughout history. That's how we had people in the Middle Ages during the bubonic plague killing cats when cats could have helped stem the bubonic plague because they killed the rats and the rats held the fleas that had Wypestis in it. Um, Thank you. I hope Jim Kester's listening to this. I hope Jimbo Kester's (laughs) listening to this. Why do you think I like cats, Jimbo? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so what was it? Uh, we burned witches at a stake because some children accused them of that stuff. The latest thing I'm seeing is that uh, Oxford University is trying to ban sheet music as uh, uh, colonizing or white supremacist or something. I mean, it's sheet music. Holy shit. Um, Why? I don't don't even explain it to me. Please don't. I'll just get just, just search Oxford sheet music on the Internet. You will either laugh or cry. I don't know which. Then I'm going to have to watch, like, I don't know, videos of kids getting castrated on their BMX bikes trying to jump over walls after that just to cleanse my palate or something. I don't know. Well, go, go watch Ridiculousness. It'll help you out. I don't know if yeah. you've ever watched that. <laughs> Except everybody that's on that show annoys me. But uh, yeah, well, but I, I like them. Uh, I, I don't watch it. I, I don't watch it unless there's a guest on there that I really like. I watch, you know, just Rob Durdeck and Chanel West Coast and uh, Stilo Brim. I like watching them because I'm mean, the the original America's Funniest Home Videos concept was great, but it's a little bit too saccharine. Right. Um, and then this is America's Funniest Home Videos without the uh, without Bob Saget, which, by the way, if you've ever heard Bob Saget's stand-up routine. Bob Saget is, is not, hilarious. Yeah, he is not the clean America's dad in his no, comedy routine. Bob Saget is actually very house. funny. But I got one more thing to say. And very dirty. One more thing to say. Stay on target. Stay on yeah, target. Yeah, yeah. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm not going to, we're not going to get to a bunch of things I wrote down, but I did want to hit, I did want to hit one more thing on my side of the aisle. Won't surprise anybody that knows me that I'm going to talk a little bit about porn. Yes, porn. Now, not that I, not that I indulge in porn a lot, but so we're talking about this shift in American consciousness and just, just give me, give me a little latitude, your honor on this one, as I lay out my case. So I think about this a lot. I think about how easy it is to get access to porn. Anybody that's got a smartphone can get unlimited porn. 
you know, I'm uh, I'm five zero years old, my friend Russ. And when I was a kid or when I was in junior high or even in high school, getting porn was hard. You had to mm-hmm. work for it, baby. Like, you know, you couldn't just walk into a store and get it because even in like the uh, mini mart, that stuff was behind the counter. The best you could do is maybe like a, a really soft core version, like Easy Rider or something like that. And uh, then you had to pay the same guy that was out in the parking lot. And we did have a guy in the parking lot that would buy beer for us, just like the Matthew McConaughey character. I won't mention his name. He's a cool dude. But, you know, he would also he would also grab a magazine for you if you wanted that. And I can tell you, I was so... <laughs> I was so naive as a kid that my porn experience when I was early was one of two ways. Well, no, three ways. National Geographic, which sometimes showed titties. Yep, yep titties of, of usually native Africans or uh, South Americans or something like that. And that was awesome. Um, there was the one kid that was the most popular kid in town whose dad had a stack of playboys above the garage in the, in the little room that they had above the garage, the guest room he was. And of course you got charged a peanut butter sandwich or your favorite shooter marble, or maybe since I didn't grow up with action figures, a matchbox car, something like that. There was definitely a fee for entrance. Um, or if you were really, really, really hard up, like I was, you would get the Sears catalog or the JC Penny ads and, and, uh, can you hear me right now? I just saw our internet connection is getting. I, I can hear you. It says it says your bandwidth is low. Uh, okay, I wonder why that is. Anyway, because I'm unstable, as it says. But yeah, there was the J.C. Penny ads where if you had an <laughs> eraser and a and a pink highlighter, yeah, you can make yourself some instant porn off the J.C. Penny ads. And I can tell you seriously, the first time I ever saw an actual like graphic porno magazine which showed actual like genitalia of females. I was looking at the model and I was horrified. I thought she'd lost the knife fight. (laughs) I was like, what happened to her? Somebody stabbed her right between the legs. (laughs) Uh, Real, real quick on, on that note, you were talking about when I was, when I was a a boy, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, um, there was a a series of fields and, and forests woods behind uh, our house. And somehow we found like an old catalog, an old sex catalog of some kind. It was all in black and white. Um, and that got stashed under some leaves back there. And every once in a while, you know, us boys would go back there and, and try and find it, make sure we knew where it was. And that was like our, our porn experience. Um, right. and then, like you said, there was always that one kid in the neighborhood from oh, a yeah. kid lived up the street. Um, who, whose, uh, parents were not from the United States. There were a lot more, uh, how do I put it uh, open about that? And <laughs> he always managed to steal his dad's pack, his dad's stack of penthouse. And, right. you know, that's why you had sleepovers at his house was to be able to, to look at his dad's penthouse. Yep. Did it, did it cost you a fee, like a, like an oatmeal raisin cookie, like it did me or anything like that? Or, you know, like I said, uh, was there an entrance fee to that? Uh, I don't think so. I think he just liked people being, I just think the, the boy likes folks being able to hang around with hang around him. He's kind that's of hard up. That's that's good. I have a feeling that the that the fellow I'm thinking of in particular. I mean, that's like that's like training to be a pimp, really. If you think about it, yeah, that's like early pimp training right there. <laughs> but, but you're right. I mean, it, it was it took effort to find it effort. back then. My and God. now, I mean, all you have to do is just go to Google. I mean, you don't even have to go to the sites. Go to Google, type something in, and go to images or videos. Right. And, and the stuff is there for free. 
It's astonishing. It's astonishing. Even back in the early days of the internet, you had to at least wait for the JPEG to slowly fill in. Beep, <laughs> yeah. beep, beep, you know, draw, draw like a, like a, like a window blind slowly, mm-hmm. you know, so that at we least had to go into the hotel room and try and watch it through the squiggly lines. <laughs> yes. I did have a friend in high school. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but he had a satellite dish. He was, uh, we had, I had two friends that I hung out with a lot. They were both awesome guys and they had a little bit more money than a lot of folks. And he had a satellite dish and he lived way out in the middle of nowhere and going over to his house uh, and spending the night was the greatest because in between the colorful snow and squiggles, every now and again, you'd see a booby and it was worth yep. it. <laughs> yep. Don't, don't you remember? It was like, what, one thirty in the morning was when Cinemax would, would become Skinemax. Right. And you're, you're fighting the, the drowsiness to try to stay up to that point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. It, there was, you know, we didn't use no-dose or anything like that. So, you know, I'd, I'd splash water in my face. I'd go outside and do jumping jacks. Oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and I guess I guess my point of that that is that's a metaphor. It's really a paradigm for what our society's become. It's just, it's overwhelming. There's too much of it there. I don't think our Savannah-evolved brain can handle a lot of what's going on. And I see, you know, I, you know we're still... Uh, paranoia and being able to identify patterns is what the human brain's really set up for. Um, and this overload of information and a lot of people who didn't go up, you know, you, I, I grew up, I grit would be ridiculous. Grit would be the understatement for how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just culturally and my family was completely effed up and, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a lot to it. I don't know. I guess, I guess my brain's better at selecting what I want to deal with and what I don't want to deal with when it comes to input, where I don't think a lot of people have that. Um, we all have that. Like I said, the hum- hominid, the only reason that we exist as a species is because we were able to identify threats better than any other animal on planet earth. Cause we weren't, we weren't that start smart or we were very smart, but we weren't that strong. We weren't that fast, any of that, but we could identify threats. We have great eyes. We have great ears. We have a brain that could calculate and identify threats. And that's really what the human brain still is. It's a threat identifier. That's why we have things like PTSD and hypervigilance when we have certain types of of experiences. But anyway, I know I'm pontificating, getting off subject a little bit here, but I really, you know, I, yeah, I look at the porn thing as a humorous way of illustrating that it's too much. It's just too damn much. And when you have to quit working for something, when you're not just engaged in the activity of doing something for a result, when you can just sit on your fat ass and have the entire world at your fingertips on this little computer that's a million times more powerful than what powered us to the moon. Yeah, I don't know that we were ready for that kind of evolution. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned I, we can talk about some of the other uh things behind it later when it comes to whether it's obesity or uh, tribalism or other stuff. But you mentioned the Savannah brain. I mean, our, you know, evolution is, is not a fast process. Our, you know, it's only been humans have only been moderately civilized for the last 150 years and only somewhat civilized for about the last thousand, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, middle ages, I guess you could say, or the Renaissance. Yeah. To a large um, extent, but we spent the vast majority of our existence, like you said, on on this on the African savanna, uh, trying to stay alive, and our bodies and our brains are geared towards that. Whether it's you know food or reproduction, um, and and look, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't you know I have not enjoyed you know looking at that on occasion. I mean, I'm a guy. Guys are visual creatures. Um, it it happens, but when it gets saturated. It, it loses. It, first of all, it becomes all-consuming, and then it loses it loses the appeal with 
just regular, regular folks. And like you said, having to work for it. And, and it really creates uh, almost an isolated, uh, your brain almost becomes isolated from real stimuli. Um, I know, you know, maybe I, I sound like too much of a prude here, but you're right. It is, it is too easy to access. It's, it, it creates uh, an unrealistic image in the brain of what some stuff should either be or look like. Um, do you ever see the, uh, the friends episode where Joey and Chandler, uh, something happened and they had free porn on their computer. I mean, on their, on their TV. I did not believe it or not watch a lot of friends. So no, I did not. First of all, you don't realize we don't watch friends now because we have young children and you don't realize how much they talk about sex and friends until you've accidentally watched it with a six year old. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but there was an episode where Joey and Chandler, uh, something had happened and they're, they had free porn on their TV, you know, all the time. And it started to affect him to the point where uh, Joey comes back to the apartment once and Chandler's like, Hey, you know, some girl came here today and delivered a pizza and she just took the money and left, you know, no, Hey, nice place. I bet the bedrooms are real big. You know, it, it was kind of weird. And, and yeah, it was, it was done as a joke, but, but that is kind of how the brain starts to react. You get conditioned to expecting certain things sure, um, and not having to live in reality. And, and it's, it's not healthy. Like I said, look, I'm not going to sit here and preach against everybody who, who's ever looked at it. I mean, shoot, I'd be preaching against myself because it happens. Um, right. But you do need to make an effort to not be consumed by it. And I heard somebody on another podcast put it right. If you really want to limit yourself, um, put, pa- put like passwords on all that stuff, but you don't have the password. Give, have your buddy set up the password system on your computer uh, to get into those sites so that you can't just, you know, unlock it whenever you want to. Right. You know, I, I truly believe that a lot of this, the reaction you've seen with things that are popular, or at least in the zeitgeist now, can't believe I use that word. Sorry, everybody. But wow. that, 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 that just docked you five cool points. Yeah, that, that sucks. Um, anyway, you know, um, what am I t- trying to think? American Ninja Warrior and UFC and American Grit and some of these, you know, back when I was a kid, the only thing like that was Battle of the Network Stars. And you'd have like, you know, Lonnie, American Gladiators. Yeah, yeah, American Gladiators. You'd have Lonnie Anderson slugging it out against, you know, Shecky Green or something and some, you know, <laughs> driving a golf cart blind competition. But uh, <laughs> wow, that was kind of random. Oh, that was random. Um, Stay on target. All of this stuff, you know, that are returned back to the outdoors, all these things that, you know, these uh, things that are popular on Instagram. I have my photography page on Instagram and you see these people in these vast open spaces, you know, looking like they're about to fall off a cliff. That kind of stimulation is very satisfying to our brain that's still not evolved. And I think that's why or look at look at this thing that's really popular right now with cold immersion, cold therapy, shock therapy, you know, people jumping into minus 20 degree uh, freezers for, you know, a minute yeah, and a half. I, doing I call those water. people idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would, but it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that are really into that. And that's because there is really a lack of grit. There's a lack of that satisfying. I'm just going to go out and cut this wood and then I'm going to burn it. And I'm going to like eat that caribou that I'm going to roast on it. And that's all that's going to happen today. And that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a way, look, don't get me wrong. I love me some civilization. I like to be able to sit on my couch, oh, hell yeah. in the air conditioning or the heat, watch a movie, order a pizza. It's all great. But like you said, we're, we're, we evolved to go you know, hunt down the woolly mammoth and fight off saber-toothed tigers. Um, and so 
the reason why you get those, you know, the cold immersion st- stuff, the the folks doing the free fall out of the helicopter, out of the uh, planes, you know, the adrenaline junkies is because they're searching for that phys- that uh, that stimulus that they just don't have in their lives today that that has been bred out of us because it's not necessary. I mean, we were we evolved to to respond to that stimulus because it used to have it used to be able to keep us alive. Right. Um, right. We needed that in order to stay alive. We don't have that anymore because, I mean, as I like to say, first of all, uh, 150 years ago, I might have been dead by the age of five. I had all kinds of, you know, up to the age of five, strep throat every couple of weeks. And they ended up having to go in and take my tonsils out. I probably would have been more put in a shallow grave. My oldest right. daughter was born at 30 weeks. A hundred years ago, she wouldn't have survived. Sure, absolutely. Um, and so we are we ha- we're able to survive more now. And look, I'm not advocating a return to survival of the fittest. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're able to stay alive, but it has created um, a lack of hardiness, for, for lack of a better word, is you, you don't you aren't able to go out and do that stuff anymore. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm an airborne ranger. I've done a lot of cool stuff. But at the same time, I'll be honest, there's times that if I you know, if I stub my toe wrong, I might be done for the rest of the day. Um. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. And I'm just going to make a quick point of that. You know, I, I'm with you. I love the fact that I've got a refrigerator outside that's full of Trader Joe's and uh, Whole Foods groceries. And, you know, I've got a big old uh, TV sitting to my left here that I can watch Hulu or Prime or Apple TV or Netflix on. I love that. I, I oh, do. And if I want to read, I can push a little button on the wall and this light comes on overhead. Yeah. Wow. But I got to tell you, I was, I was having this conversation recently with a good friend. Um, the times I remember fondly have nothing to do with any of that. I don't sit around and go, remember that time that I was watching Netflix for like nine hours <laughs> and then I had like cold pizza and then I didn't wake up really very early. No, I talk about some of the army training I went through or some of the, some of the things that happened when I was a kid that were kind of brutal, but pretty awesome. Cause it was shared misery that you shared with other humans. Yep. You know, you and I've been through some, some tough training and some other situations in the military, for instance, where it sucked, but it, it sucked the most and it was awesome because you were sharing it with other humans and there was a, there was a survival feeling to it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, it, those are the things I talk about and I remember most fondly were the, the, were the hard things. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of the, the watching show moments that I do remember, but they're very few and far between. I'm talking cultural moments like, Hey, I remember when I watched, you know, the Star Trek, the next generation, best of both worlds first time. And, you know, Riker said fire and they cut to, you know, to be continued. You know, I was watching that with, with my folks and I was like 13 years old, I think something like that. Wow, it was that's, one of the, that's just weird. Well, but that was because I'm such a star Wars geek. I mean, <laughs> and I saw with star Trek, I'm sorry. I will do penance to the gods of star Trek from now into eternity. Um, <laughs> but you know, those rare cultural moments, but aside from, you know, rare stuff like that, you're right. It was, it was the, the times I was camping out in the backyard uh, with friends, or it was the time that I went off the slide for life at Ranger School, or it was, you know, the time that in the hills of Korea, I did the Manchu Mile, uh, 25 miles over the hills of Korea, and felt like my feet were going to fall off at the end of it. Those are the right. things you, you remember, as opposed, that actually, there's, there's even some marketing campaigns on this. It was one, it was a car company, I don't remember what, but they were going off doing, uh, you know, four wheeling over the roads and then they were doing whitewater rafting and rappelling. And then you have, you get on some, you know, goth looking teenage girl looking at her phone being like, that's not a picture of a real cat. That's funny. This is life. And it goes back to the other stuff. And it's meant to make fun of everybody basically trying to 
observe life as opposed to experience it. And I realize that sounds very hippy dippy, you know, new age bullshit, but there there is some truth to that. 100%. One of the reasons, I mean, I'm old. So one of the reasons I never take selfies and I I take very few. Yeah. Or, or when I'm out and about, you know, um, you know, I do a lot of landscape photography. Mm -hmm. I I have an old fashioned way about it because there's a lot of times where I, I have taken a, I've taken a break from my camera for quite some time now because I, I can get an observation mode behind that lens instead of just being there in the moment and worried about light and worried about contrast and, you know, <laughs> F stop and fucking white balance and shit like that. When I should just be looking at the scenery and going, Oh my God, this is a yeah. really great moment to be alive and appreciate how beautiful this is. So I, I get it. You know, I have those moments too. And I try really hard to, to not be so engaged where, you know, if you get on Instagram, you see a lot of young people and every photo is them ruining the landscape and the scenery because they have to be in like stretch pants and be gazing out wistfully wearing a beanie. And it's like, just get out of the shot, bitch. Yeah, get well, out of the fucking shot. It's also... It's also not realistic because everybody, everybody's life online is so super, is you know uber perfect. And right. you know, I've, I've I've experienced the wonders of life. It's like Dennis Leary uh, was once. You know, life comes at life's great moments are like you know in the chocolate chip cookie you have, or you know the time that you you know got to rappel down that cliff, or the time you didn't die when you almost you know were going the wrong way in traffic. Those are the moments you remember, not not some of the uh, the observational things. Don't get me wrong, I do like to observe, but but the the perfect all the time life that folks try to portray online, it's not real. You know, I laugh at that stuff because I know it's not real. I prefer people who are, you know, real about it. Like friends that are our age are like, hey, you know, I can remember that that jingle from 25 years ago, but now I don't know why I came in the same room. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. I hadn't posted in a long time on Facebook, and I don't know if you saw what I just posted a couple of days ago. But it was about a woman walking out of a grocery store in my hometown and shooting oh, a the, snot rocket. Yeah. It's not That's, rocket. Yeah. So now you know how much my life sucks, both on social media and in real life. <laughs> I'm very consistent. Hey, we're uh, we're kind of up against time. I know there was another topic. Do you want to wait on that topic for next week that you wanted to discuss? And um, um, well, it, it kind of does tie back. I can just talk briefly. It, it does tie back into what we were talking about earlier in terms of uh-huh. authoritarianism. It is uh, the the automatic disobedience circuits we seem to have? Uh, right. They're almost hardwired into most humans, but even more so into Americans. And unfortunately, we we don't know how to walk the line on this. We don't know how to, you know, be tempered in this. Um, it, the automatic disobedience circuits of the American mind, which I have started to question a little bit uh, with how easily people have accepted some of the restrictions and some of the right, right. New, new stuff on top of them. But it, they've served as well in certain in the past, like in you know, the Revolutionary War in telling the Nazis to go fuck themselves, you know, those kinds of things, our automatic disobedience circuits have have played as well. Unfortunately, there are times that being stubborn just for the sake of being stubborn is stupid. Um, the most recent thing that really got to me when I talk about the stupidity is the vaccine stuff. People right. are like, I'm not going to take the vaccine. Well, you should. Well, no, damn it. I'm not. And they're 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 bucking up just because people are saying, hey, the vaccine is good for you. You should take it. And they're saying, well, no, you're not going to tell me what to do. What it reminds me of is it reminds me of two things. It reminds me of, you know, the 17 year old couple that folks told them they can't be together. So they're going to go elope and get married for, you know, a relationship that's going to last the next six months. Or what it really reminds me of all the, the vaccine hesitancy that it reminds me of kids in the high school parking lot lighting up cigarettes 
because the school told them that they shouldn't do it. School said it's against the rules if you light up cigarettes. So they're going to go, you know, light up these cancer sticks and put them in their mouths because the school told them not to. Um, a quick side note, uh, I'd never dated a, a girl that smoked. Um, and I actually remember telling somebody, and I think I hurt her feelings. I didn't realize a lot later how badly I hurt her feelings when I, when I told, yeah, I wasn't very popular in high school. So I, maybe I shouldn't have been as picky, but I actually do remember telling one girl that, um, we, I couldn't, I couldn't go out with her because since she smoked, she was obviously too stupid for me and we would not have meshed. We would not have been compatible. Um, because I went to school, I went to high school in the late eighties, early nineties. It wasn't like smoking was, you know, just being discovered as bad for you. We had known it for a very long time. So people right. who had made that conscious choice. Um, anyway, let me get back on target. Um, but the, uh, when it comes to stuff like the vaccine hesitancy, um, when it comes to stuff like, I don't know, just bucking up against police, you know, it's one thing to question. It's another thing to be just a bullheaded asshole because, you know, damn it, no one's going to tell me what to do. That's the, that's the very immature part of our brain. At the same time, you can't go all the way on the other side and say, well, I'm just going to accept authority no matter what. It's, it does come down to people not using their brain. It comes back to the, you know, one of the reasons I confront this stuff is because if you, like, like I said earlier, if, if you don't confront stupid, stupid wins by default. And I refuse to live in a stupid world like that. Sure. Um, but yeah, people just being defiant simply for the sake of being defiant or being lemmings just because somebody told them to. I don't know why we can't thread the needle on this and have people exercise individual capacity and some some ability at reason and, and being analytical. But, you know, I've been told I'm too much like Sheldon Cooper on that. So, you know, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I, I get you. And yeah, just to quickly add to that. And well, you, you mentioned it, too. I do believe I, I do believe you're right about that. What I'm seeing this culture and society do, and maybe it ties back to the analogy I made um, about how far we've advanced past our Savannah brains is how much people want to give up their authority to others. Maybe maybe it's the, you know, Captain Aubrey thing when he's yelling at Dr. Matter and said, people need to be governed, sir. You know, um, there is some truth to that. Um, the, the idea that, you know, the ideal that I personally believe in the libertarianism that I believe in and, and, you know, the ideals that you believe in are relatively new in the human experience. And we're the Uh, only country that was born a true Republic. We're, we're the only one, um, right from the outset. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, socialist, uh, democracies and republics and other types of things in the world's now, but they had to evolve to that point. We were birthed that way, right out of, right out of the womb. and, And America can only be birthed that way you know, 250 years ago. In today's world where everything's already developed, everything's already explored, I'm not sure that that kind of birth could have happened. Yeah, but I, when the world really was good new, point. yeah, when, when we still had the new world, people hadn't fully explored, people were still trying to branch out, that mindset was possible and thank goodness it came about. But like Ronald Reagan said, you know, freedom is only one generation away from extinction. And I, I fear we're watching it go extinct right now because we don't, we don't understand it. We, you know, one day we're just gonna wake up and it's not there. Um, it, it's, like I said, it's one thing to question authority like we should, but it's another thing to simply be defiant just for the sake of being defiant. Um, and it seems like we're broken into two camps on that where you got one side, Hey, always listen to those in charge. You got the other side, man, they're all, they all suck. They don't know what they're doing at all. So I'm not going to listen to them ever. Um, it, it's like a teenager, you know, trying to sneak out of the house, uh, for mom and dad or the teenager that's, you know, never going to defy mom and dad and never going to become their own person. And unfortunately, I think there's that it's rare that there are people in society that are actually willing to look at individual situations 
use their brain as opposed to going along with the crowd. Because going back to the Savannah brand you talked about, going along with the crowd has an evolutionary advantage. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's safety in numbers. Um, you get more food. You get accepted. You don't get ostracized. So you'll be able to eat. You'll be able to reproduce. And that goes back to when we were living in large tribes. And now we don't need to do that. But people still are not willing to break out of the the group habit on either side and look at individual nuance and individual situation. It's really frustrating. It's one of the, who has it said that uh, for those who are, for those who are stupid, life's a tragedy. For those who are smart, life's a comedy. Um, I look at more like it's a tragic comedy. Um, I laugh at a lot of stupidity that goes on the world. And like you said, like you said about yourself, I'm not perfect. I've done a lot of very stupid things in my life. Um, I still do stupid things. Uh, my wife will definitely, you know, cop to that sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do try to think and analyze a little more, and I will try to change if I need to. Now, what I've discovered throughout my life is my change tends to go t- more towards analytical. If I need to change, I'll become more conservative. I'll become uh, more, uh, so what I'm looking for, more reasoned, um, as opposed to trying to, as opposed to growing more emotionally. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know why more people will not exercise their brain. Maybe because it's hard, maybe because it feels good simply to be emotional about stuff, um, to, to just go with the crowd. It takes effort to actually think about things. And, and most people just don't want to put in that effort. And I know that it gets cliche to say, well, everybody else is stupid, but there's a lot of times I feel that way. It's one of the reasons I don't like going out, whether it's driving and, you know, going to the mall or just interacting with people in general, because, you know, people just react on the, I mean, on the dumbest things. They will go with whatever they were first told, whatever their emotional gut reaction is. And the problem is when you actually do try to bring reason and facts into the, into the discussion, they actually get mad at you because what they feel is bourgeois. That's bourgeois. Well, you're, you're challenging their sense of self. Um, And so few people are willing to grow beyond their sense of self. Um, they, They view it almost like it's a threat. And so it makes, it makes trying to get to a more reasoned and enlightened world uh, a lot more, a lot more challenging. Gotcha. Yeah. No, there's a million things we could go on forever about this topic. And there's a couple of things that popped in my head. We could probably examine in other podcasts that, that pertain to this. You talk about, I don't know, I, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's <laughs> a good discussion. It's a, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get our, um, our sociologist slash special forces sergeant major to talk more about this when we get him on the podcast. Yeah. Here, so. Jimbo, when I know you're, I know you're listening, Jimbo. Uh, next time I ask you if you want to appear on the podcast, I would appreciate a simple yes or no, not a picture of you holding up a fish. <laughs> Come on, that's so much cooler, though. Hey, I tell you what, um, if you don't mind, I know during our entertainment uh, segment, you wanted to talk a little bit about a TV show. If you want to hold off on that until next week, that'll give you a chance to watch another episode. And we'll give you well, some we'll give you some two, time. Twofold. The, the episode of the one that you mentioned and then uh, our the season will be done for uh, resident alien and maybe we can do like some resident alien recap. Sure. Yeah, no, we can, we can give ourselves a little bit more time at the end, but as the guy that has the software in my end, I'm going to force you to watch yet again, another one of my classic commercial. Oh God. Oh yeah. You ready for this? I'm not even going to tell you what this is. Here it comes. Is this a cigarette commercial? Yes, it is. They sure work hard, don't they, buddy? Yeah. I hate to see them work so hard. Yeah, me too. That's Damn. His- 
Wife working hard, back. of course. Well, we can't see him. <laughs> Gee, we ought to do something, Fred. Okay. How's about taking that? I got a better idea. Let's take a Winston break. That's it. Winston is the one filter cigarette that delivers flavor 20 times a pack. Winston's got that filter flavor. Why do I feel like I'm watching some kind of by watching the this. Makes the big taste difference that, you know, especially, especially since Wilma's mowing the lawn right in front of him. Too awesome. My favorite, my favorite part of that is like said, boy, you sure do feel bad when we watch our wives work. And he's like, well, let's go behind the house so we don't have to see them. Hey, a oh. quick side note, a quick side note on the Flintstones. Obviously that was modeled after the honeymooners. Right. Um, with Jackie Gleason and right. Jackie Gleason hated the Flintstones with a passion. He sure did. Uh, actually wanted to sue to get him taken off the air. Right. And he backed off when his lawyer said, Hey, Jackie, we could probably win this, but then you're going to go down as history, not as a great comedian, but as the guy who got the Flintstones taken off the air. <laughs> probably made the right decision. Yeah. And, 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 you know, come on, loved him and smoking the bandit, baby. Yeah. But I, look, I, I'm going to, you may hate me for what I'm going to say. One of my favorite movies of his is a movie that was considered basically even straight to video back in the early eighties, the sting Two. Oh God. I actually watched that. Because nothing else was on, dude. It probably was on HBO or something like that. And, you yep. know, it couldn't get Paul Newman and Robert Redford back. So they went with Jackie Gleason and uh, Mac Davis. Oh, my and, God. Yes. Mac Davis, the country western singer who is a, the quarterback in North Dallas 40. Yeah. Look, it's a, it's a fun little movie when I was a kid. It's, you look back now, it's, yeah, it's kind of stupid, especially coming off the success of The Sting. Right. But, uh, I liked Jackie Gleason in that movie. Now, Smokey and the Bandit was awesome. And I liked it. I liked Smokey Bandit when I was a kid because they just did nothing but cuss the whole time. And that's what was right. taboo for us. <laughs> Actually, what was cool is, you know, my uh, I lost my mom not too long ago. And one of my best memories is she took me to every one of the Smokey and the Bandit movies. We would go. My mom was cool. She was uh, much cooler than she should have been for some of her generation. And she took me to the Smokey and the Bandit movies in a movie theater up in Federal Way, Washington. That was so awesome. Watching, watching those. That's I have memories of watching those with my mom. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Smokey and the Bandit was on a double. I remember when I kind of saw it, I was half asleep because it was a double feature at the drive-in with Star Wars first and then Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, my. That's like the best night of your life right there. Yeah, of course, we watched Star Wars, and then I, my parents were counting on us to fall asleep before Smokey and the Bandit came on. <laughs> oh, well, with that, any final words here? Uh, see, we ran a little bit over time as usual, but no biggie. We, we did it. At some point, we'll have to, maybe next time, if we have a little bit more lighthearted of a discussion with the entertainment and stuff, we can talk about the painting over ants and the origin of that. Yeah, I've been meaning to mention that for a while, but it's kind of funny. I have I have received a few texts with painting over ants and, you know, the the cry, the laughing till I'm crying emoji. Um, yeah. So, yeah, not even knowing the origin. I think people get the context. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have you explain that maybe on the next podcast up front or something like yeah. that. Well, so. I'll explain some of it. You're going to have to jump in because you were there. You were the one that made a real big deal out of it when that was when that was uttered by uh by someone so it was we'll talk one of about the that greatest one of the greatest moments of my unintentional comedy life in observation yes <laughs>
<laughs> All right, my friend. Well, I'll, uh, I'm going to sign off for now and uh, I'll get this up and it'll drop sometime early in the morning hours. Cause uh, if I try to upload it, I can't watch Hulu or uh, YouTube or uh, Netflix. So I'm not going to do that to myself. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, for Coop and Russ, this is the Two Grumpy Bastards podcast. Thank you. <laughs>